don't even, why is this even up here? Get, let's get rid of this. Okay. No, I could have done that. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Okay. I believe we have some stuff this morning to share in the Lord. That's where I wanted to start. Okay. I knew there was, there was something that happened this morning. We were in prayer before the service, and one of the children were in there, was sitting. And as they were going out, Mom said, did you pray? I said, no. And so then, I, you know, I, I was talking to him. I said, you know, did you pray? He said, no. I just, just sitting here. I said, why not? He said, don't you have any needs to pray about? And his answer was really revealing. No. Doesn't have any... I said, how old are you? Five. I said, don't worry. You know, God's going to give you some stuff to pray about. But see, when we don't have a need, we might become like Sodom and Gomorrah. We might just, you know, think we're... Or like the lay of the seans. We don't have any need. But God's faithful. He's going to bring us into a place where we're going to need to cry out to Him. You know, we might not be praying. We might not be seeking God because we're still too independent. We're still too filled with ourselves. We don't really have any needs that we couldn't take care of. So, yeah, he's, I said, don't worry. You know, God's going to be faithful. You're going to have some needs to pray about. So, in our lives, I believe God's bringing us to a place of neediness. That's the gospel. He brings us to a place to where we see our need. And I think many times we just don't recognize God as who He is and the, the, the working of God in our life because it goes so contrary to what, what we naturally think. I mean, because there you are. I mean, you know, you're going to have a little kid sitting in prayer who doesn't have any needs. Well, how's he perceiving that? Well, this is kind of a bummer. You know, why am I here? I've got better things to do. Well, his perspective is, is just his perspective because he just hasn't had enough life experience yet or, you know, sin is just in his, in his life. But as we go on, see, we might have those same kind of things. We might enter some... We might be spacing out here this morning. We might not be praying. Might be boy, this is really a bummer to be here. Well, why would that be? Well, you haven't met your need yet. See, but God's got a plan. Like, uh, what's his name? No. Oh, we've got to talk about Ethan too, yeah. But no, the teacher here. Nash. Nash. You know, God's going to bring Joseph to a place to where God's purpose has worked in his life. He's going to come to his need. So, a lot of it is just where we're at or where, we, where we're not at yet, but God's faithfully working. That's why we pray for the children. I mean, you look at them, and sometimes we look at ourselves and go, wow, I don't know what to do. Well, we'd have to enter into God's supernatural grace to pray for those children and pray for ourselves. And so this week, as I was going through things in my brain, I realized that my brain is way too small. It's just way, I, I just can't comprehend all that God, I just can't comprehend much of anything. It's just overwhelming. And so as I was being overwhelmed in my brain, the, script, you know, the idea came, I wonder who else has been overwhelmed. And then the, the scriptures came to my mind. David was overwhelmed. There's about a half a dozen, a dozen scriptures that talk about being, David being overwhelmed. And I began to pray in that way. You know? And so let's open our Bibles to Psalms, 100, Psalms 55. I want us to take comfort in being overwhelmed. How many people enjoy being overwhelmed? Oh, good. I hate it. 
Because I find my brain just short circuit. I don't, my brain is too small. David said the same thing. I don't even understand what you're talking about, O oh God. That's when we're really being overwhelmed. The reverse side of that is, is when we don't feel, when we believe we're doing good, I think most of the time we're just proud with independence. I don't have anything to pray about. Well, that's not really a good thing. See, that's self-confidence. And God is going to continually bring His disciples to a place of calling out to Him. Don't you care that we're dying? They were overwhelmed. Well, what does, what is overwhelmed supposed to bring us to? There's a purpose to be overwhelmed. Sometimes we're just overwhelmed in our overwhelmness. And we're going down for the third time. That's a good thing. We've got to enter into that by faith. See, that's a faith amen. That's a faith amen. That's a good thing. Because naturally, like I was speaking last week, there's a lot of things God will lead us into that naturally we would not pick for ourselves. It would be weird to pick for ourselves. But we need to trust, as like Adam was saying in, in prayer, we need, we need to trust that whatever God's working is a good thing. And He's bringing us into a place on the lake to say, God, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? He's going to bring us to places that we're overwhelmed so that we can run to Him. So that we, our hope can be extinguished in ourselves. We all might come to the place of having no confidence in our brain. Your brain is way too small. But wait a minute. Did you thought you had it figured out? You're, let me just... You're wrong. If you think you stand, the Bible says, take heed lest you fall. If you think you know something, there's most of the time it's really a good chance. You might only know at the very best. At the very best, the Holy Spirit gives us some insight. At the very best, you only know in part. So the other part's going to be wrong. But most of the time, our own knowledge is just enough to get us into trouble. Which may not, which God maybe uses to ultimately overwhelm us so that we can call out to Him and His purpose can ultimately be worked in our life. And by the Holy Spirit, we might say, God worked it for good. See? But my brain has to be overwhelmed. Because if not, I might actually think I have it together. And, and, you know, th there's something to this. You know, the Bible talks about work being a good thing. But most of again, in our society, work is looked at as a bad thing. And everybody's looking to not work or retire. And somewhere in the, you know, there is maybe a place for that. I mean, you know, th there's a saying, you know, life stinks, then you die. It's true. But the, the Lord gives us hope because we could say, life stinks. But don't worry, it's going to get worse. Oh, you're not, see, he's happy. He doesn't have to pray. Don't worry. It's going to get worse. Somebody say amen. How, how many people have, maybe you're still, maybe you were in that room spacing out. You don't have any needs. But see, you're going to get old and then you're going to die, but then we're going to be with the Lord forever. That's our consolation. And I think we're going to be working in that capacity. But I was, <laughs> this funny thought came to me this morning, too. I'm going to get to the message, don't worry. I, I woke up like most every morning, and I looked in the mirror this morning, and something was looking back at me. And the thought came to me, it says, I'm getting old right before my eyes. Nothing I could do about it. It just says, getting old right before my very eyes. 
every morning not getting any better. You know, this corruptible going to have to put on incorruption. So have some. So ha- be, please be despaired this morning. You're getting older. Corruption is working in you. But that's a good thing that that overwhelming death working in us may work life. That we can say, you know what? We're going to go be with the Lord someday. So we actually have some hope, even though we might not be able, even though it may look like it's not working. God's going to bring us to places to be overwhelmed so that we can cry out to Him. So I pray this morning that our hope in ourself perishes and that we have a lot of needs. The person who doesn't have a lot of needs may, you know, not pressed, doesn't need anything. The person who's needy, that's why we pray for the children. I said last week, I mean, you know, what do we know about raising kids? What do we know about anything? I might need some help. Beware when you don't need any help. And we're going to talk about the reason for that in a while. Chapter 55. Let's talk about being overwhelmed. Uh, Psalms 55. 5. Let's start in verse 4. These are real encouraging psalms. My heart is sore pained. I like that, you know. I'm glad David just didn't say, my life is so hunky-dory. Everything goes great. Pain? I don't know pain. I know the Lord. Everything's going great. Absalom and great kid. No problem. Never, never disobeyed. Never was naughty. Saul, we're tight. I don't know what, you know, unrighteous. No. He had to come to some stuff. My heart is sore pained within me, and terrors of death are fallen upon me. He got some overwhelming circumstances. Finding is not adequate in himself. There's some things that are testing his life, testing his faith in the Lord. And so it seemed by the Holy Spirit that those should be included in the Psalms. These are things that God's using to comfort us and to give us some encouragement. So many times you might find your heart is sore pained. Have you ever had a pained heart? Oh, you can actually just feel it. Oh, you know, I'd like to cut it out sometime. God says, why don't you cut it out? <laughs> Fearless, fe- fearfulness and trembling have overcome me, and horrors have overwhelmed me. He was overwhelmed with horror. Now, maybe those were real, maybe they weren't, but in his own mind. Oh, what's going on? Have you ever, watched, have you ever played the domino game of being overwhelmed? Usually starts here, and by the end... You know, it's the old huffalump game. You know, you, ever, you know what huffalumps are? How many people do not know what a huffalump is? Okay, that's the reason we're not going anywhere. Just unbelievable. How many people have ever seen the movie? Well, I'm, actually, I didn't read the book. My mom used to read me the book. And my wife used to read to me, but I don't buy her gifts anymore, so she doesn't read to me. <laughs> but <laughs> she used to read Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. The, oh, yeah, huffalumps. An imaginary thing, you know, that goes on. It gets worse and worse as you go around the bush. Sometimes I wish you could just suck your brain out. But sometimes we're overwhelmed. David here was overwhelmed. The reason for being overwhelmed. Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. There's a reason why we're getting overwhelmed. So as I was praying yesterday in the morning, I was just kind of like, you know, this is, I'm overwhelmed. Lord, I want to come to you. I want to come to you. But you know what the deal was? 
Now, I have these conversations with my soul and with myself and hopefully with the Word of God, with the Lord. And sometimes maybe you've come to some of these places. You know, when I'm praying, the overwhelmness doesn't go away. So here I am, I'm getting closer to the Lord, but the same things that I believe are overwhelming me still seem to exist there. So here the title of the message is, What Do We Do After Prayer? I've got to get a collar because I'm getting good. <laughs> Congregation, what do we do after prayer? That's the big one. Well, some of us might not even go to prayer because we're thinking the answer is there. Or we don't have a need. We might just be spacing out. But if we're like David, hopefully we're getting overwhelmed. And the reason is that is to come to the Lord. Drive me to the rock that's higher than me. Lead me to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, I'm going to pray. And I began to think, you know, when I get up from prayer here, I still got everything to face. You know, it's not going away. Have, you, have your prayers ever been to have things going away? And you're kind of like, okay, not done praying. You know, and then you, you, you might grow bitter. But Jesus prayed differently. He didn't say, Father, take this away. See, and that the, the Lord's prayer is your will be done. So there must be something else in prayer that we're supposed to be receiving than just my own desires. So I, I figured, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm coming after prayer. And again, you know, the, the, the secret is our whole, our whole purpose in life is to know Him. So being overwhelmed is to drive me to a place of prayer where I'm having a relationship with God and I'm coming to know Him. And so during that time, I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do now? And then the Word came to me after prayer. And in the Word this week, I saw some things happening. The Word is called self-control. Now some people may dismiss self-control because you're not an angry person. Self-control does not mean that you're just not angry. And in this society, it's really hard to, anymore to get people actually to have an emotion. I don't seem to have that difficult of a time to do it, but most people, just, getting, just everything goes along. They seem to be self-controlled because they don't show anger. And as I was watching some things with the, with the children this week and you know seeing some things, Self-control doesn't mean just not being angry. It means controlling yourself. It means controlling yourself to do what? Why would I, when I'm overwhelmed, come to the Lord? So that I could once again hear from Him and rein myself in, control myself that after prayer and after a relationship with God, I begin to walk out what He's told me. See, self-control is controlling myself to do the will of God. So here, and, and again, many times I think as parents and as teachers and just as adults, we miss actually helping the children because we don't understand what it is that God wants to work in us. We don't understand self-control. We just think it's well-behaved, which it's not. Now, I heard a statement, and I'm not sure if it's true, but I, I want to I speak it because I think it'll stir up our minds. See, what do we need to teach our children? And again, this started out when I was, I was watching the turning channels and the bridge over the River Kwai was on. And the, 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 the guy, the kind of the, the main guy of the movie, he said something. He said, you know, they, he said, you know, all you're worried about is how to die right and to die like this and to die like that. And, and, and then he said something that, you know, we'd all get a 
rousing applause from us. But the only real thing, the only important thing is knowing how to live right. And I thought, you know, at first I was like, yeah. And I realized, you know, that's totally wrong. That's totally wrong. And many times we're taking that perspective. See, what is the Lord teaching us to do? He's teaching us to embrace the cross. He's teaching us to embrace sorrow and suffering. He's teaching us to embrace death. So what we really need to teach our children, and this is where we, you know, sometimes we, we get apologetic and we actually miss it because we, we have bought into something else in our own minds. We need to teach our children how to die. How to die well. How to die well at school. See, Paul talks about dying daily. That death works in me, that life may work in you. See, I need to embrace the death of Jesus Christ that His resurrection can now work and that hope can go out. But if we don't realize that our focus is the cross, see, I might actually get caught up in some other stuff. I might teach my children some other stuff. I might teach you some other things. But anyway, be thinking on that. Maybe more will come of that. So the, the real thing is, I need to teach my children how to die. I need to teach you how to die. Jesus said, if you'd like to come after me, take up your cross. Not a rousing message. You might get overwhelmed. See, you might get overwhelmed by the cross. Well, that might lead you to the Lord. Then when you, you know, when you have a relationship with Him, don't expect everything to go away. Because there's a reason He wants you to walk through some things. This idea of self-control. So now I was talking to one of the children in the chapel. Just having a, you know, a nice time. And he can't control himself. I don't even know if he's aware of not controlling himself. But see, if, if I'm not... a if I'm not looking for those telltale signs, I might just... So he's talking to me like this. This is the way he's talking to me. I'm actually talking to him and he's doing this. I'm serious. I'm going, will you please stop? He doesn't even know. He's Now, why was he doing it? He was not in control of himself. It might have been cute. Everybody's kind of laughing. But it was not in control. He was not being in self-control. And I believe a lot of times in our lives, we might be doing a lot of cutesy, nice things. We might not be angry, cursing, you're yelling, but we are missing what God has because we're not controlling ourselves to practice the Word of God. It's not only when I'm angry, bitter, and bummed out that I should practice the Word, but more so when, I'm, when I need to be in control all the time. It's like uh, the, 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 the reins of the horse. Now, how do, you, how do you control a horse? You con- now, why do you control a horse? Well, why do you do it? Well, you want it to go left. It's not like, that horse is really mean. Ah! No, you're hoping actually not to do that so much. But you're hopefully like all through... Okay. See, I want you to go left. I want you to go right. I want you to whoa. I want- He's controlling the horse. The horse isn't just... I want to eat now. I don't want... See, the master says, I don't want you to eat now. And so what is it? He doesn't eat now. He's controlled by the reins. And we need to... The reins of our life need to be in the the Word so that we're judging everything as we... We need to be people that are self-controlled. Peter talks about that. Adding self-control, temperance, to our life. Because if not, we live an undisciplined life. We live a life that's not temperate in the Word, but just, well, you're doing this and you're doing that. And I believe that that, that, that that adds to our confusion and actually supports wrong thinking in our brain. So, but see, again, if, if, my, if my 
view would be, oh, that's just, no, no I want to teach that child how to die. We don't talk like that. When you talk, you stand up straight. You're aware of what you're doing. Now, that eventually may lead to anger. Now, a horse, when he's well, will follow the reins pretty well. But those reins and that rider is not stronger than the horse. At any time, that horse can throw that rider, choose to disobey, no matter how hard you pull on. There needs to be an act of submission or humbleness or love in a relationship with the Holy Spirit that says, okay, that's where prayer comes in. But after prayer, I then begin to walk in the Word of God with self-control. God, what is it that you've called me to do? Okay. Now, last Wednesday, I was speaking in the meeting, and it seemed to stir up some things in some people. I think that may be a good thing. So self-control is doing the Word of God. Now, I'm looking here because I just... I'm We talked about general calling or the general word of God and then a specific application of that in my life. <clears throat> when I say do the word, almost everybody would agree on that. I could probably go to any church and say, man, amen, that was a great word. We need to do the word. But understand that word, now hear me well, because it may sound funny, is different to each person that it is directed to. Okay, The Word of God is unchanging and is true, but unless I know the application of that Word, it makes little or no sense to me and will have very little impact in my life. Now, the, the Bible and the Lord describes the church and us as a body. Okay, Now, if my, if the general word would be, I want the body to be healthy. How many people would agree with that? Amen. How many people would like your body to work well? Do you know that means something totally and sometimes opposite to each member of that body? So if my brain was acting well like the stomach, I would be dead in about 30 seconds. Because for the stomach to hear that word and rightly divide it means it needs to be producing acid at a certain time and then stop at a certain time. And most of our problems, health problems in life, is that the members of the body are not functioning correctly at the right time. Now, there's two ways to fix that. I don't know about, I mean, is ant, what is the thing? I'm very thankful that I'm not sick. I watch TV and I'm, I'm wondering, why, how, come, how can I still be walking around? I don't have what, shaking leg syndrome. I mean, they got names, you know, for all these things. I got this, I got that. I said, well, thank God for that. Yeah, that's a good thing. But there's there's one that always gets me. It's um, antacid when you're acid reflux or what? No, I'm not, not. Don't get condemned if you have it or think you have it. But you know, here's here's a you know, there's there's two kinds of remedies. Most people that have when you're eating too much, you take the Rolaids or something, right? Help me out here because this I'm not. This isn't my my. Yeah, Ant, antacid, antacid. And I'm always going. Have you ever thought maybe you're just eating too much? Yeah, that could be. Now, so we could actually want to fix 
what we think is the problem without fixing the problem. Okay? But again, that's the stomach seeming to be producing too much acid. Okay? Most of our problems is because we are not functioning in the body as the word is coming to that part of the body. See, now the brain gets the message. But the brain the message gets isn't the one the stomach gets. The brain says, I don't know what the brain says. Like I said, mine is way too small. And it does something, and it tells the stomach, start producing acid. And it starts producing acid. Now, each part of the body must rightly divide the word as they're called. I don't believe there's a general word. There is, but it's only like, okay, be well. Well, then the finger might go, well, you know what that means? And if we're not careful, we're comparing ourselves with our, well, amongst ourselves, which is not wise. And we say, well, that, they're doing that, and they're doing that. They're, do, they're following the word. They're following the word, hopefully, as God has directed them to follow it. Can the stomach say, because I'm not of the eye, I'm not of the body? I mean, I don't know. Could you imagine the stomach being jealous that it couldn't see? I mean, thank God that the eyes don't produce acid. And it's really a good thing our stomach doesn't see. That'd be disgusting. If it's had to see what you eat after a few hours. And so we take these things and God, we say, well, that's pretty normal. That's pretty normal. That's pretty normal. But when it comes to us and God says he placed you in the body as it pleased him, when the signal comes from the brain, we go, well, I don't want to do that. I want to walk. I want to be the toe. I want to be... And there's actually parts of our body that are meant actually just to be destroyed. And we actually waste a whole lot of time on them. There's huge businesses on parts of your body that are dead. Did you know that? I mean, you want to talk about vanity on top of vanity? How many, how many people mostly worry about their hair? I mean, it's a tremendous industry. It's dead. You cut it, you can, you know, do, it's dead. You can set it on fire, it's Turn up, um, fingernails. And now they do it on toenails. They paint them for some odd reason. They're dead. They're dead. But we think, oh, now how many things, I, mean, I don't know, this isn't working anymore, I think it's dead. Do we say about our body many times, maybe God has it that way. There's a reason. See, what God's trying to say to us is have some self-control. Have some confidence that I am working. Believe my word. Here it is. Here's self-control. Do you believe? Let's turn to Philippians chapter 2. So self-control, and what, I'm, what we're talking about on Wednesday, comes from our placement in the body and knowing what our calling. That's why it says, add to your faith virtue, patience, temperance, self-control, all these things. And then after that, it says, make your calling and election sure. See, without knowing my calling and election, I don't know how to add to these things. It's time to add acid. Well, maybe I want to dye my... Oh, maybe I want to... No. I am the stomach, and that's what I'm content to do. I want to have the best mucus protection. I, get, I know it sounds disgusting. Doesn't the stomach produce mucus? Okay. To protect itself actually from what it's meant to do. Did you, how many people know these things? This is really fascinating, isn't it? So actually, the, the stomach actually has to protect itself from itself. 
from the work that it's called to do, it has to protect itself. Why are all these happening? You need to be more mucusy. And that's what the Bible says. Love is the bond. There needs to be, there's going to, when you start loving it, you're going to need some mucus around. Spread it around. But if you're trying to be, you know, a little turnout glad, and, you know, you, you might be missing. There's a, each body, each part in the body, each member, each facet of the body has a particular work. So the word that I'm speaking now, see, I am not speaking to the church. I'm speaking to you as the stomach. When the message comes, my, my stomach does not get the message for the eyes. I don't even know if it really cares what the eyes are doing. My eyes usually don't care what my hair is doing or my stomach is doing or whatever. And the reason for that is, is because, the reason we don't do it is because we're not self-controlled. We're not planted in the body or we come to the realization that God has planted me here. And, the, and when that realization is not true, that's when you start misfunctioning. And when you start misfunctioning, how many of you have ever had an upset stomach? Do you love it? Mm, it's misfunctioning. And you're aware of that. So what do you do? You have to take something to fix it. Now what I find in our lives is that we're not real good at taking the medicine. We'd rather change the function. Well, I didn't have to produce so much acid, I wouldn't have all this problem. Well, the eye doesn't have this problem. How come he doesn't? That's, you're missing it. That means you're, no, you're now out. You're no longer using self-control. You've intruded into the area that is not for you. So let's look at this in Philippians chapter 2. So as we're going through life and we're going through things, Let's make our calling and election sure. As let's practice the word. But I cannot realistically practice the word without knowing my function, without knowing where I am called, without knowing how that is supposed to be interpreted. Misinterpreted signals makes you throw up rather than swallow. Okay? Misinterpreted signals cause all kinds of stuff to go wrong. It's a very important. Then the body then would be, has a, he's not in control of his functions. You ever met anybody that's not in control of their functions? Sometimes the church, you, are not in control of yourself. You're not, well, I'm not angry. Not what I'm talking about. You're just doing this when you're talking. and You're, 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 you're singing when you're not supposed to be singing. You're sleeping when you're not supposed to be. You're not hearing the signal. You're ignoring the signal because you don't know who you are. You don't know that what you're supposed to be producing. You don't know that it's time for those things to take place. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ is our ultimate example, and the Word of God then talks about Him and what we should do. Philippians chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 1. Let's start there. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy and be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Now, with all that I'm saying is, do you know why that sometimes doesn't take place? We're not operating correctly. That's true. Yeah. We're not self-controlled. See, naturally, left unself-controlled, I do not want to be like-minded. 
Naturally to myself, I don't want to love one another. Naturally left to myself. So when those things rise up, I need to realize that I am not being temperate. I have forgot my calling and election and something else. I need some Rolaids. I have heartburn. Now, you might be eating some wrong stuff, which is generally could be a thing. But all metaphors are not, you know, 100% good. So what I'm saying is, as these things rise up, rein the horse in. Have some self-control and say, wait a minute, my calling is to produce acid when the food is there. Now, could you imagine what would happen if, if the enzymes stopped working in your stomach? You would literally rot to death. Right, Don? Yeah. If there was no acid. So here, the brain's that mouth says, so there needs to be a mouth says, I think I want to eat. Somebody says, I don't feel like producing acid. That would be a very bad situation, correct? Many times because we, we fail to know our specific functionary calling, the Word of God has very little effect. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Practice the Word. It's acid. I don't feel like making acid. I'm tired of making acid. I always get burned from that. That's a very dangerous job. And I, that's not your concern. See, that is pride. And we're going to look at that. It is not humbleness. Humbleness really is the key to self-control and to love and to practicing God's Word. When we intrude into these other areas, we're intruding into areas that have n- we have no business intruding into. It's proud. It's arrogant. It's not a faith. And there is no self-control. See, it's much easier to talk like this than to, yes, sir, I hear what you're saying. Yes. Self-control. So we need to be looking as we're, that we're having self-control in all that we do. <laughs> okay. Fulfill ye my joy. Be of the same love, being of one mind, one accord. That will happen as I understand my calling, as I understand my lesson. And as things then come up, I would say, no, that's not correct. I'm the stomach. I need to produce acid at this time. No, that's not. And it's, I begin then to stop wavering so much and comparing so much. It's a, the Word of God has to be a specific word to me. And a specific way in which that works out. If not, ah, the stomach, when the stomach just produces acid when it wants, uh, the eyes open when they want. Sometimes my ears listen and sometimes they don't. Uh, my lungs generally work pretty good, but every now and again they take a week off. No, nothing like that at all. But sometimes we act like that. We, we're lacking self-control. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than himself. I need some self-control on that one. Let each How many people would have maybe right now at the top of your tongue ten reasons why I shouldn't do that? That's not your call. Your call is to have self-control and to obey the Word of God where He has placed you. Okay? And there's a reason why God placed the stomach inside and not outside. Don't know exactly why, but, you know, He did. Many times we just don't like where we're placed. The intestines... They're not, they're not visible. He places the eyes. I don't know why they're there. Wouldn't it be nice to have them on the end of your fingers? I could see some stuff. Yeah. You know, he places them and makes it where he desires. And that's what we need to come to a place to accept that. 
Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Let each esteem him others better than himself. Look not every man to his own things. We could just wait on that one. I'm tired. Why does the mouth always have to eat? I'm sick of doing this. Why? You know, never, never hear that. Only the soul does that. I'm tired of doing the same thing every day. When is this going? I mean, what a boring job being a stomach. I mean, that's why I'm giving it a lot of credit. It doesn't usually get, you know, talked about too much. Or the liver. How about the kidneys? They don't, just don't get a fair rap. But when I start looking at my own things, I'm lacking self-control, which means I cannot be practicing the Word because it's out of strife or vainglory. I might just be dancing around, not receiving. See, I may not even know my needs. I may not be praying. <clears throat> and we're going to get to the, the, the heart of this. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on, also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery, robbery to be equal with God. See, that's a good thing to start with. And many times we fall back to that because we now have been redeemed. We have been adopted. We are the children of God. We could actually say we are the sons of God. Amen? That's nothing to fall back on. That's nothing in ourself to have any righteousness. Jesus could have accepted that and had that as His own righteousness. But for us, it is a gift. We have been redeemed through no worthiness nor works of ourselves. We have been adopted surely by the desire of the Father to adopt us. When we had no power or strength, when we were dead in sins and trespasses, God said, I forgive you all your sins. I will forgive you. I will die in your place and I call you my children. We have nothing to glory in that. Jesus, however, did because He is God. But He sets the example and says, I don't think that's worth holding on to. That's not even really why I'm here. But because we refuse to have self-control and the mind of Christ, that becomes our own righteousness, our own works, our own <clears throat> rights come to the surface. And Jesus is saying, the Word of God saying, that is not what I'm interested in. That is the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit and the Lord that I have done in you. It's mine. It's finished. But now that you are now forgiven, and you could be as my son is in this world, as the Bible says, take this mind on you. <clears throat> See, it's not good enough for the stomach just to be in the body. It must also function. It's not good enough that the eyes should be in this body. They must also function properly. It's not good enough that Christ has just died for me and rose again from the dead. That is a wonderful thing. But God is saying, there's a, there's a whole book more that He's saying, now that this is working in you, I want to be glorified in you. Let me work in you that my character can be made in you. There's something that needs to be added into your life for me to be glorified. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. But made himself of no reputation, but took upon him the form of a servant and, made, and was made in likeness of a man. This is the key verse. <clears throat> There's a key word in here. And being found, being found in fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The word is found. Have you found yourself in some situation? <clears throat> then let this mind be in you. 
it's not a uh, coincidence. It's not a mistake. It's God overwhelming you. It's God bringing you to a place that says, this is what I am doing. And when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who had a right to be God, who could have said, I don't have to put up with this, he thought this was of no importance compared to the specific work that God had called him to do. And when Jesus found himself, said, Father, this is your will, I find myself. What did he do there? The Bible says he humbled himself. What does that mean? He had self-control in doing what the Word said. And as he grew in wisdom and stature, looking into the Scripture and as the Holy Spirit was speaking, he said, this is what my life is. This is what my life is. And self-control, humbleness. When we don't have self-control, we're proud. I just want to do without. But when I find myself in a situation and I stop dancing around or I stop laughing or I stop doing all the things that I want to do, then Jesus would gird himself and have self-control and finding himself in the fashion of a man. <clears throat> have you ever found yourself in a fashion you might not want to be in? Maybe every day? Maybe you could actually change it. Jesus could have changed it at any time. <clears throat> that wasn't what he was looking at. His job was to produce acid when the father said, and that's what he was going to do. And when he found himself in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself. Humble means, yes, Father, I receive that. I will have some self-control. I will practice what you're asking me to practice. Not generally, but in the specific situation. When Jesus found himself as a man, that's what it says first. He found himself in the God Almighty. I mean, sometimes I don't like being in this body. And I'm a natural, mortal man. But God Almighty restricting himself to a body? Ever see that Star Trek one where there's that guy that can do everything? He didn't like having like to go through walls and do that. You know, it's like, wow, God didn't, God's not a show-off. You know, he's not upset about that. But when Jesus found himself in the fashion of a man, he didn't say, man, can't God come up with another plan? I don't see... That's pride. That's the lack of self-control. That's the, that's the member of the body being out of function. <clears throat> Found himself in the fashion of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient. Obedience is self-control. <clears throat> what did he become obedient to? What's the word? Comes back to what we told him. Death. How many of you would like to just be obedient to God? Here's the key. Death. It becomes specific. How many, you know, if you ask everybody, how many of you would like to be healthy? Almost everybody said, I'd like to be healthy. This is probably one of the most unhealthy countries in the world anymore. Obesity is diabetes. Why? I don't want to be obedient. I want to eat what I want to eat. I'm buying into something. No self-control. <clears throat> we should become obedient unto, what's the word? Death. Yes. Death. Whoa. He became obedient unto death. And not just death. There was a specific death Jesus had to become obedient to. It wasn't a general call. He became obedient. When he found himself in fashion, he humbled himself. He said, yes, Father, this is what you have for me. 
Not my will, but yours be done. And self-control took hold in his life. And he began to mold his life to the will of God specifically for him. And then he became obedient even to the point of death. Self-control maintained him. Even when it looked like failure, even when it looked like his own life would be, even when his gifts and death, and even more so the specific death that God had for him. This mind needs to work in you, so I must know my function. I must know where God has placed me. Now, being found in fashion of a man, let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians. I think these things need to be settled. Now, the problem is, once in a while, your stomach will need some medicine. We need to receive the medicine. We need to receive the medicine. Sometimes we actually think, what is it? One of the heartburn is a good thing. We actually do. We think rebellion, self, not being self-controlled, pride, seeing it, not functioning, is a good thing, don't we? No, you're wrong. You need some medicine. I'm not eating that stuff. What are you getting? You need some medicine. Okay? But there needs to be settled to where, just like it says, let this mind be in you. If you found yourself somewhere, God has got a calling for you. Let this word work in you. It will produce self-control. And patience works experience, experience works, and hope. Many of us become hopeless because we just don't have any self-control. We're just kind of like, I don't feel like and I don't see. It's time when we find, like Jesus. Amen, Father. Now, I don't know what kind of parents Joseph and Mary were. Just because you have a baby doesn't mean you're a good parent. Everybody think, oh, Mary must have really been the, you know, something. I don't know how good she was or how bad she was. I mean, I mean, she would have been, uh, the, the social services would have took the kid away today. They were gone for three days, didn't know he was missing. They don't know where he is. You don't get Now, I'm not, I'm not condemning them or judging them in any way. I don't know them. Joseph, you don't hardly hear anything about Joseph. I don't know what, but if you were the son of God, I don't think there's any parent good enough for you. Where do you get off to Jesus did not accept that. He had self-control because there was the will of God in his life. The will of God and the direction of your life will bring self-control, which will bring the fulfillment of God's purpose. Without that, see, if there's just a general, well, you know, I'm just a son of God and I can do what I want, then I'll... No. And your body will not be functioning properly. You might, you might not be angry, but you'll be like this, and your mind is never coming into clicking and saying, no, I, that's just... This is what God has. Now, if I don't understand that God has me as the stomach, I may always be wondering why the liver gets to do that. It's the same word, different function. The, you know, I don't get together and say, okay, liver, what do you think the stomach should do? And you want to do it today? No. The stomach just gets what he needs. The liver gets what he needs. The brain gets the... That's where God places us. And when we begin to realize that, being found, you don't get... Here, let's, let's, first, second, first Corinthians chapter 12. It's another good one. Let's start in verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not of the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not of the eye, 
I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were I, where is the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling? Can't say that. Well, how come they do that? How come he... Not interested. That's not where I found myself. Why couldn't Jesus be Noah? Why couldn't Moses be? Why couldn't... Have you ever... Why can't I? Why can't I? Because God didn't make you like that. Well, I don't... That's pride to even question that. When Jesus found Himself totally broken as a man, He did what? He accepted it. That's humble. Thank you, Father. The reason the the, the, the heartburn continues in your life is because you haven't humbled yourself. You're not producing enough mucus because you don't feel you should be producing any acid. And so you're mad. Kids are dancing around and not, you know, doing because we're not cognizant. We're not bringing them to a place of death. We're not bringing them to the obedience to death. Death is a good thing. See, when the first death works in us, the second death has no power over us, the Bible says. So, where has God placed you? Now, God has set the members in the body, every one of them, as it pleased Him. Did you find yourself somewhere like Jesus? Do you know why you're there? God, it makes God happy. That's what He wanted. It pleased God to bruise His Son. And the Son accepted that in humility and ran towards that. Can we accept these things? There might be a cross in your life. There might not. not that, that's too kind. There is a cross in your life. It might be who you are. Like that sign says, Dear God, I have a problem. It's me. Yeah. Well, God's placed you in the body and in His will to overwhelm you, to bring you to a place you have no confidence in yourself and that you could have some self-control and actually do the will of God. Those things that are rising up, those are not the good things. That's the disease. That's the disease. And we think it exactly opposite. We think, okay, that's bad. Let's get rid of the stomach. And that's bad. No, you'll be dead. It's the things that arise that are the things you need the medicine for. And the self-control will bring us to the place to actually... I don't know about that, but He's placed me in the body as it's pleased Him. Well, that would end a lot of questions if I humbled myself. Oh, this is the will of God. Did you hear it? How can you be so sure? You arrogant. You don't have any... Yeah. Well, no, I have to... to rein myself in. I have to have some self-control and say, wow, this is where God has me. This is the will of God. God meant it for good. You tried to sell me into slavery, you're going to do it. God meant it for good. It's the will of God. He found himself and he humbled himself. The medicine is humbling yourself. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing to know that God's placed you in the body. Is Is there better bodies? Is there better works? Is there better parents than Joseph and Mary? Is there a better way of salvation than going to the cross? The devil had three of them to tempt Jesus with. The people had another one. They were going to make him king. Immaterial. God, I found myself here. My work is not to interpret what God's doing. 
but to have self-control in whatever situation I find myself, therewith be content and practice self-control. Now, if I understand I am called to do a specific work, then I realize that what God is bringing into my life or overwhelming circumstances or things is actually to change me. See, I think humans start out as two cells. Isn't that correct, Don? They're pretty un... like that. But very quickly, and and, and, uh, very quickly, the cells divide into specific functioning organs. Very quickly. We cannot say a blob. God is going to divide and say, no, this is what you do and this is, you have to do this. And right from the very beginning, we have been called by God. Not generally, not to be anybody else, not to hear another word, not to, this is what, then I must find myself, I, le, I must let this mind be in me, which would be humbling myself. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who found himself You might find yourself married. You might find yourself with some children. You might find yourself in this church. You might find you'll be hearing some words that you don't like. You might, hear, you might be saying, well now, what is up to you is not to change that, but to accept that and let that work in you, because the problem is, it's me! God changed me. I want to humble myself. You know, maybe... Maybe the signal comes when you don't feel like producing acid. Produce acid. Now that has ramifications. Once you start producing acid, you've got to produce more mucus. There's all kinds of, it's kind of a disgusting mess. It's time for us to make our calling and election sure and start becoming obedient to the point of death. Are you hearing me? Fighting. Is, or the lack of self-control. Fighting with God or the lack of self-control with God and as yeah, we find ourselves fighting or arguing with God, complaining, is really a lack of self-control, is a lack of humbleness. Because, as, because I'm complaining with Him as has He ordered my life. That's not your job. That's pride. That's arrogance. That's, that's a, that might be this little boy. He's not, he's not rebelling. He's not mad at me. He's not yelling at me. He's just not paying attention. No! That's just as bad. I wish you'd blow out. Well, then take some medicine. But when we find ourselves arguing, and we find ourselves with a lack of self-control in how God has ordered my life. Because I I haven't come to contentment, but that God has placed me, or God has created me as He's desired, and placed me where He wanted me. I might have to humble myself because did you hear the thought? I can go anywhere I want. So could Jesus. But what did he do? Humbled himself to where he was found and understood God was working. And the, he said he grew in wisdom, in stature with man and God. The things that he came, that came upon his life, he let... You know, there's some people that just keep asking me the same question. Well, it shows me you don't have any self-control. You're not getting the point. You're still trying to keep yourself alive. There's some things you're just going to have to hate in your life. And Jesus might have to end up hating your own life because it might be you have to submit yourself unto death. 
Whoa. Well, see, now once I know who I am and where God's placed me, things might make... I might still be overwhelmed from time to time. And after prayer, I can exercise some self-control and realize this is what God has for me. I'm going to hear that and adapt my thinking to that. And when that happens, we're going to be able to glorify God in everything we do because I'm letting that mind be in me that was also in Christ Jesus. Are you following that? So self-control. Self-control means obedience. It means hearing God's Word in a very specific way. And not, I'm not, you know. How many people here are wondering what your heart's doing right now? Didn't even give it any thought. Oh, you're rejecting me. The heart never goes through that. There's some parts of the body that are expected to get no attention. You know? And some of those things just have to go on in our life. But see, what I'm trying to say in all that is you don't need to know what anybody else or any part of the body is doing. This is what God's Peter tried to pull at. Well, what about him? And Jesus said in that wonderful vernacular of New Yorkese, I'm not talking to him. That's what Jesus says. What does that got to do with you? I'm telling you to do this. Stomach, produce acid. What's the eye doing? How come they don't have to do it? Because the Word of God and God loves you so much that He's created you special and He's placed you special. He's created the whole universe around you and you, I don't think I want to do that. Pride and arrogance is not humbleness, self-control, or love. And when that's there, we cannot be like-minded because I'm always thinking that I'm getting taken. And Jesus said, take away. Hallelujah. Go for it because I know God is in control. That's humbleness. That's love. And that's going to change your mind. Not that you won't be overwhelmed. Overwhelmed, pray about it, then get up and be self-controlled. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, bless the Lord. We have lunch together. Let's enjoy our fellowship. And let's stir one another up. Preach the word. Amen. Amen.